It takes two with your host, the hostess with the mostest, Shayla. <laughs> anyway, and D, this is where Shayla gives her expert opinion on parenting, and then I give you the truth on parenting. Uh, so we'll start with some questions that people have sent me. Uh, our first question being, uh, someone says, I see that people my age struggle to get kids to sleep through the night or in their own bed. They said their parents and grandparents didn't play that shit, but it seems a millennial parenting problem to put the foot down on it. How do you do it? So how do you get kids to uh, sleep in their bed, Shayla, or not come in our room at night? I'm really intrigued. I would have to say that... D forced me to take the kids out of the bed at six months. So they, at this point, no one sleeps in our bed because they've all been used to sleeping in their own bed. And when they did come, we just kind of redirected them back into their room. By we, you mean me. I do it also. Yeah, no. So anyway, (laughs) by we, that means me. And I think that it's a start of their independence to make children sleep in their own rooms. Uh, as well as boundaries. I think that we as parents often focus too much on our children and due to that, our relationships are lacking. And if the couple doesn't have a good relationship with each other, then the family will struggle. So having private time, mommy and daddy time in the bedroom requires not having children in there. So they have to get out. What do you do though? You say you just redirect? Redirect, put them back in their bed. Sometimes when you're on shift, um, I do let them sleep with me just because... So by sometimes you mean all the time? No, sometimes. 90%? (laughs) So, um, but I do let them know when they want to spend the night at, um, when we're both home, that no, only when... So what happens when they do it every single night? What are you going to do to change that? But they don't... I think we've set the boundary that they can sometimes when it's just me. But when it's mommy and daddy, it's mommy and daddy's bed. There's no room for kids. So then you don't feel like that makes daddy the bad guy? Because when daddy's home, that jerk's here. So now I got to sleep in my own bed. I think sometimes they might come in the bed with you in the middle of the night when I'm not when I'm at work. And you allow them to stay because there's room. I think it just I think it it's interchangeable. So then they're going to just hate us being a couple and being home together. <laughs> no, I think they like to see that. And they like to they kind of like both. They have. They understand like mommy and daddy's bed is for mommy and daddy, but if one isn't home, then maybe. That's good. I'll take it. Next question from a friend being this person says, My daughter is almost two and is super smart, super independent, and super hard headed. How do I correct behavior without yelling or physical punishment? She said, For example, don't touch that, and then she touched it in end laughs. So, how would you correct this behavior? Um, I think that's a difficult one because we also share that situation at times. Um, I think it's kind of like um, with age, the age two, they need to start learning boundaries and what they can and cannot do. 
So it's better to like redirect them. <clears throat> if they're doing something you don't want them to do, direct them to do something that you are okay with them doing. Like if they are pulling something off the counter and you don't want them to do that, like sit them down with a book or sit and play with them just to kind of redirect the behavior until they realize like, I can't do this, but I can do that. I think that's great, like, theoretical advice. But so if I'm telling the kid, hey, don't touch the stove and because I'm cooking something. But in the same time, I'm folding clothes on the couch. What are you going to redirect them with when they go in there and touch the stove anyway? Uh, They can help folding clothes or one touch of the stove. They won't do it again. So let your children harm themselves (laughs) is what you're saying. No, but sometimes, you you know, like if you don't learn by being able to be redirected, they're going to do it. I mean, whether it's you finish cooking and you walk away and then they come and touch it and it's not yet cool and they feel it hot. You just kind of have to explain to them like it's hot, you know, like so they understand it's really hot. I mean, that's valid. I think personally, I'm a I'm a firm believer and the, the foundation of my parenting is spare the rod, spoil the child. So you get a couple times, you get a warning, maybe two warnings, and then there are repercussions to that that tend to be physical. I think trying to redirect them is theoretically a great idea, but sometimes we don't always have the time to sit down and play with them and, hey, here's some Play-Doh instead. Um, just when you get to parenting and then when you get to five kids, I mean, maybe in some situations it's easier because... I think it is because you can, can like play send with each them. other. You can send the little one with the other ones. Yeah, but then sometimes they're all getting on each other's nerves and they're all doing things. Like, it can go both ways. I think uh, there need to be repercussions. Like, if you don't want to physically punish them and you don't want to yell at them, well, every kid has something that they want. And take that away. If it's your stuffed animal, if it's your favorite toy, if it's your iPad, which it shouldn't be an iPad, but if whatever it may be, I'm going to take this away because you're not listening. Um, And I think obviously you have to explain to them why. I think kids are naturally inquisitive and that's how they're learning the world as they get older. Like, so you might have said, don't touch this, but I want to know why I don't want to, why I can't touch it. Why is it hot? What is hot? Like whatever. So explain to them why you're saying don't touch it. Don't just treat them like children, treat them like the adults that we're trying to create. I think it's hard with a two-year-old that just wants to do what they want to do because they want to do it. So then shit, just let them burn themselves down. <laughs> I'm not like, saying ho- that. Hopefully they, hopefully they haven't <laughs> killed themselves. <laughs> or just block. Like, you know, if you know your kid, when you're cooking, your your child is always right there at the stove, you know, like get little baby gates and block the stove area or, you know, put them in a little area and let them play with stuff. I mean, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you have, like, really strong-willed kids that are like, I'm going to do it anyway. Like, our youngest, she's kind of one of those, like, I'm going to look at you and then know that I'm not supposed to do something, and I'm going to still try it. So then in that situation, you just say, I'm going to tell Daddy on you, and that that keeps you from having (laughs) to physically punish or yell at anybody. No, it's like you have to catch them before they start, and then you're good. You know, if you're like, hey, 
and she realizes like she's caught, she'll kind of move from that. So area. you're a helicopter parent, is what you're saying? You're over top of your kids, no. watching them at every second Abs- of the day. Absolutely not. I'm so, saying yeah. when you catch them, you have to. You know, when you catch them starting, I think it's different. Again, it's different when you have one kid versus multiple kids. I think it's actually a little more difficult with one child because it's just you and that child. So. So let your kids parent each other. No, no. But so regardless, like you're the only person, like you can't send the kid to play together. They don't have a friend. You're their friend. They don't have a playmate. You're their playmate. So if you're cooking, they want to cook. And then maybe like incorporate them with cooking. Like if they're cracking, if you're cracking eggs or something, put them on a little stool and let them like stir the eggs or let them, you know, like help, let them help you. And then yell at them when they mess it up. Well, no, like you're right there, but let them help you. <laughs> like I know, especially at breakfast, all the kids kind of like to help crack the eggs and you know crack them in a bowl so you can get all the shells out. Then I'm coming home them. from work and eating eggshells because <laughs> you let the kids. No, crack you take eggs. the shells out before, just or you kind of crack them, but let them hold like their hand on it as well. I mean, it's just it, it's with one kid, you kind of have to incorporate that child with more of what you do than when you have multiple kids and they can kind of occupy each other's time versus solely occupying yours okay next question she writes my daughter is six she's a first grader she has started to make comments about being too dark she is mixed by comparison to other kids she is not very dark at all i keep a positive spin that she is the perfect blend of her father and i and show her positive images of the women i know uh, this this person went to an HBCU. Obviously, I can relate to being mixed. I can't relate to being mixed, but it broke my heart when she said this. Please help. Um, I think I think it's it's difficult, um, especially depending on where you live. So if you have a mixed child and the mixed child is black and white, and you're white, of course, she, every child wants to be like their mother. So she, she's going to wonder, why don't I look like you? And if you have other kids that happen to not be mixed, it's the same instance. Like, why doesn't this kid look like me? And then if you go to a school or a daycare where the majority population doesn't look like her, that's another thing. I think a big thing is trying to incorporate, like, um, like what <laughs> we do in our house, D, make sure we do it, is, you know, buy her dolls that look like her. You know, buy her dolls, buy her Tiana Barbies and, you know, like the darker Barbie. So she knows like it's beautiful. Like we you have stuff um, that looks like you that's beautiful. So you have baby dolls, you have brown baby dolls and brown Barbie dolls. And, you know, you kind of try to incorporate and maybe have like people um, like in her life regularly that are also, you know, not just kind of seeing pictures, but people and maybe friends like try to, you know, like seek out the you know brown other brown people around you so she can see like there's variety it's not just she's not the only you know brown girl there's other brown girls you know there might be like hispanic she needs to know like there's plenty of people and they're all beautiful uh footnote shayla says that i make sure there are brown dolls in the house i throw away all white dolls i throw away all images of white Barbie dolls, white coloring books, white everything. And it has absolutely nothing to do with a disdain for white people. Some of my closest friends are white. (laughs) Hashtag reverse racism. Um, I think society tells us how beautiful white people are. And I think everybody's beautiful. White people are most certainly beautiful. Black, brown, everybody. All cultures are beautiful. But when you are constantly bombarded with 
this is the standard for beauty. And then you look in the mirror and you do not look like that standard. You don't meet that standard. Your hair does not look like theirs. Your skin doesn't look like theirs. Your body does not look like theirs. If this is the standard for beauty and perfection, then I obviously am the opposite. The opposite being imperfect and ugly. Um, So subconsciously, we're telling young people of color that they're not good enough. They don't meet the standard. They don't look good enough. They're, They're not what society wants. So, yes, brown dolls, brown Barbies, brown coloring books, brown TV shows, brown cartoons, brown everything, backpacks, like a T-shirt, like anything. Like my kids love, my little girls love Frozen and their grandparents buy them Frozen shirts. And the first chance I get, I give them to the Goodwill. And it's, it's no knock against any other culture. I want to reiterate that. I think finding diversity, like Shayla said, is very important, extremely important. You need to find strong, beautiful women of color for her. She has an image, as you being her mother and being white, she has the image of a strong uh, white presence from you and your family, and that's great. She needs to also get that image of people of color. So seek out women of color, You need to research her history so you can teach her that history so she understands all the great things that women of color have done throughout centuries and generations all the way back to Africa. Beautiful, strong, intelligent women. So she'll understand I might not necessarily look like everybody in my class, but that doesn't make me lesser. She'll appreciate diversity and then she'll learn to thrive through that. And I think the main thing is, um, you know, like kind of make everything age appropriate if it's, if it's a really young child. Um, I think the best way to show them that there's beauty um, in whatever color you are, whatever nationality, by like just having her have friends, like make play dates with people, you know, seek out groups in your area that are for. Um, you know, maybe if your area isn't doesn't have a super minority presence, seek out groups. I mean, they, they get together. So seek out groups and go to those groups so she can see like, hey, I do have friends that look like me and they're beautiful and I'm beautiful. Just so that she can kind of see I'm not the only person that looks like me around. I just, you know, my mommy's beautiful and she just happens to be a different shade than uh, me and I'm beautiful. Like I, my mother's Puerto Rican and she's super white you know she's not like a dark puerto rican um i mean she tans but you know for a while i realized i mean right away that i was different from her i mean i had a sister that was older so of course she looked like me so i didn't have that um presence of like i don't have someone that looks like me because she did um but you know i did have a like why don't i look like my mom Why don't, you know, she's my mom and and her hair is different and, you know, her skin is different. And I think just having people around, like for me, it was a sister. And so I never felt like it was just me and I was just too brown. But so I think it's especially when you're younger, it's just good to have people like your age around you that you can play with that look like you. So, you know, like I'm not different. I'm, you know, I'm. Like, there's well, other people different. that look like me. You are different. It's not that you're not different. It's just that that does, different doesn't equate to right, I think less I guess, than. I guess I'm trying to say, like, not different. Like, 
if you if you go to a school and everyone's white and you're black, you think something is wrong with me. Like I'm different. Yeah, but you're different. So if you have a friend even outside of school, you know, like, hey, you know what? There's other people that look like me. We're all like we're different, but we're we're different, but we're equal. Right. So end results: send your kid to an HBCU. She'll find <laughs> tons of uh, beautiful black people like her to thrive. <laughs> And I mean, no, like, I say this jokingly, and I anybody who knows me knows that I consistently push HBCUs on everyone, but I think coming from growing up in black schools and black neighborhoods, and then my mom moving us to a different neighborhood for me to go to a better high school, and going to a high school with predominantly white people, I couldn't wait to graduate and go to an HBCU. To be around more people who look like me, who thought like me, who understood me. Um, and I'm super big on diversity. You know, I went to a, I started out at predominantly white school, and it's funny how um, minorities find each other no matter where you are. I started out at predominantly white school, and I ended up at a um, historically black college. But um, in the historically white, or the predominantly white school, I am. Um, you know, I kind of hung out with my friends. We went to places that, um, you know, the other minorities went. But I think the difference um, was just that it felt like more like a family at the Historically Black College overall with, like, the instructors and everything um, versus the predominantly white school. But I think, I mean, you know, if your child's young, you have, like, a long way to go, Um so I think just having people around, especially age, um, the same age and maybe do play dates or go to groups or find groups. Facebook is like, is a big, it has, I mean, it has a big, um, audience that will have groups in your area that you can find, um, and just go to them and, you know, it will absolutely help have, give her a more positive image because pictures are one thing and kids will see pictures and it's kind of like, ah, whatever. But until they see and like they're around people that look like them, if they have this, you know, issue, they won't realize, you know, like I'm different, but beautiful too. Okay. Our next person says, how do you raise a child that wants to know their father, but the father isn't interested or even invested in wanting to know them? You want to take this? You want me to start? Um. Well, I think for starters, uh, speaking to the father, your shit back. I think I don't really know how you would not want to be part of your child's life, regardless if you just absolutely despise the mother. Like you created a human being. That person, that young person, is you. They're of you, and that's just horrible. But. I think raising a child that wants to know their father, I'm, I'm a firm believer in treating children like the adults that we want them to be. I've, I've never been a baby talker. Like, I don't baby talk like infants. It's just not my thing. I talk to everybody like a normal human being. And I still, you know, I'm age appropriate with concepts. But at some point, your child is going to want to know what's going on and why their father isn't around and I mean be honest with them it's it's not your fault uh your father just has things going on in his life that he's not where he needs to be um and reiterate that it's not their fault and it's not because of them I think 
moving forward, you need to find positive male role models to incorporate into their life, not going and finding them an uncle because that would be a male for you. Don't, don't, don't go out and find an extra boyfriend and try to move him in and be daddy. Find a positive male role model, be it a coach, a teacher, just a mentor, a police officer, a firefighter, just, just somebody around who can provide that child. Because if it's a boy who grows up without a positive male role model, like that's a wayward child and he's going to have issues. And this is coming from a single parent home and having tons of friends growing up who came from single parent homes. Like we all struggle to find our way and find out what it is to be a man. And quite often we went out and did dumb things thinking that's what men do. And it's a bunch of teenagers or little kids teaching each other how to be men. It's not the recipe for success. So we get way more bumps and bruises that way trying to figure it out. I think as far as a young woman or raising a young woman who doesn't have a father around, you have your stereotypical daddy issues that I'm sure we would all love to avoid. So... I mean, my answer being just try to find, don't so much worry about their actual father. Tell them what the deal is. Try to talk to the father. And if he's just not on it, like, you know, it'll be his loss in the future when you raise an amazing young human being and they missed out on that. But as far as your child, you have to seek out positive environments and positive role models for them. I'm a strong believer in sports and you know, put your child in basketball and I'm pretty sure there'll be a strong male role model somewhere there. I think, um, I think the main thing is, um, be honest. It's hard depending on the age of the child. Um, but absolutely, you know, just say like, you know, like D said, daddy's not available. You know, daddy has some things going on, but also like, don't allow him, don't allow your child just to be with a revolving door with the dad, like the dad coming and going as he pleases. Like have an honest conversation with him and say, you know, he needs you and I need to know if you're going to be there. Um, the main thing is to just like love your child regardless. Definitely find, find role models. I think finding sports, um, a lot of single parents think it's so hard because you're a single parent to find sports. But even with us, like our schedule is so crazy. Uh, we found that um, it takes a village and we have five kids. So we have a big village but the majority of our village are we found through sports uh through basketball through football through track i mean like honestly when we're busy when we're both working like we call on that village and they come and help pick us pick our child up and i mean we have single parent friends and you know we have no problem returning that favor and we pick kids up and we drop them off and we take them places and if we travel and it's for sports like we take the kids too like i think um single parents often think that it's so hard to do it alone but you don't have to like you can find a village you can find um you know like if your kid likes soccer you know like find a soccer team and stick with that soccer team and you know you'll find people that you know live in your area and are willing to help out you know, whenever you need to, it's harder when they're younger, um, to, you know, to do that, but definitely like some of the, I mean, we've known people for, you know, 10 plus years just through sports that are still around that still help that, you know, our kids may not even play sports together anymore, but they're still our village. So I think that's a big thing. And through that, um, like we have, a, of course our kids have a two parent household, but I think, you know, 
like D definitely is, you know, there for the kids on the basketball team that, you know, maybe like need extra help or, you know, like there's positive role models in, in sports. When you have a coach that is there just, you know, for the kids and the kids can see that. So I think, um, I mean, it's important to have, um, like a father figure in their life. I think sometimes, um, men just it's easier for them to walk away and kind of not look back I mean and even maybe in that situation if they have if their parents maybe the grandparents um so the grandfather maybe he's a good guy and you can you know your kid can kind of hang out with him and see like you know what like this is this is good like I still have people there like I still have father figures that I can look up to and that you know I can grow and I can see like positive male images whether it's your dad or um maybe the kid's father's dad I think it's just important to have kind of males around and just like put your kids I mean like definitely just like have your kids have different um kind of a different environment don't just kind of leave them at home thinking I don't have any other options like there's tons of options out there and you can definitely um you know put your kids in like just extracurricular activities and it doesn't even have to be sports you know just extracurricular activities that they can be involved in that they'll have other um kind of male figures that will help them out okay the next person writes i have a 12 year old that is out of control and her demeanor is disrespectful most of the time to adults and her peers traditional methods of discipline have not worked i.e spanking Taping it and letting her see it on the spot corrections, grounding, change of environment. Please help. Um, I think this is a little difficult because, you know, 12-year-old girls, kind um, of teenage girls can be a little tricky um, because they, they're growing into kind of their womanhood and wanting um, that, like, just to kind of be free to do what they want. But they're also still children, so they don't make the very best decisions. Um I think kind of putting, I mean, you're, you're doing right. Like trying to redirect them and putting them in like different situations, um, would be helpful, but also, you know, like taking away stuff, like does she have a phone? If she has a phone, you know, take it away. If she goes and hangs out with friends, like take that away, you know, like make her more involved in at home and make her more responsible um, kind of with home life that she, she's like, you know, this isn't, this isn't right. This isn't going to fly kind of, um, it's, it's difficult, but I think you, um, you kind of have to be kind of like a helicopter parent. You know, you have to be like all on top of that because, you know, a 12 year old that kind of gets out of hand can keep, can kind of keep getting worse and worse if you don't, um, you know, stay on them. And even if you think something's not working, like you take away her phone or you take away her privileges or, you know, you don't let her go out. If you don't think it's working, like eventually it will like changing her environment. Like you just keep doing that. Like, don't, don't just kind of do it. And you're like, Oh, it didn't work. And then just kind of do something else, like stick with it. And, you know, eventually like, she's going to realize this isn't fun. Like <laughs> this is, I should probably like get my stuff together. Cause like what I'm doing and the results of what I'm doing, like I'm not having fun and I should probably change that. So Shayla said a lot that's kind of nonsense, <laughs> <laughs> but I think the strong, I think the, uh, a 
a crucial part of what she said, maybe unknowingly, is one phrase would be a helicopter parent, and she spoke several times in different manners on staying on top of that. I think the issue is consistency. I I don't know too many human beings outside of just pure psychopaths that are corrected consistently for whatever behavior it may be in life and just choose to continue on that same path. I think if you take away their phone for two days and then give it back because it's convenient for you, right, Shayla? <laughs> um, We're not talking about it. <laughs> I mean, cause, and, and we say this jokingly because Shayla has taken away our son's phone and then, well, I can't reach him at school and I need him to come home because I need to go to the gym. And, and it wasn't and two sister. days. It was like a couple months. A couple days. And, and anyway, the sailor is full of complete <laughs> shit right now. And she's, she's absolutely full of nonsense. The difference being Shayla takes away their phone or I take away their phone. Shayla gives it back or our oldest son's phone. Shayla gives it back. Our son, our oldest son continues the behavior. They got his phone taken away. So I just smash his phone. So that just fixes that issue. I think um, my first reaction to this is just li- smack the living shit out of your kid. Um, the I'm a yes sir, no sir guy. That's the way I was raised. That's the way I'll raise my children. That's the way I'll expect my grandchildren to step into my house. Like it's yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am. Uh, any sign of disrespect to an adult should catch a backhand. Like that's just how I live. Like that that's that's my way. As far as being disrespectful to your peers, I think that's an issue that can be discussed because ultimately that's an issue that affects their life and not mine. Uh, If you're disrespectful to your peers, then I mean, eventually just no one's going to want to like on this level, no one's going to want to be your friend on an adult level. No one's going to want to work with you for you or employ you, which is a dire issue. Um, but consistency is the answer. If you spanked one time or, or you know what? Like I think consistency, but it needs to be sooner rather than later with whatever punishment it may be. Shayla's a, I'm going to see, let you see how far you can push me parent. And I'm, uh, I'm not going to let you push me at all parent. And I don't really give much leeway. So when I feel there was something slightly disrespectful. If I feel like your tone was disrespectful, if I feel like you meant to be disrespectful, we're going to go ahead and correct that on the spot. Shayla is more, I'll tell you don't do it again. I'll ask you who you're talking to. When you do it again, I'll tell you don't do it again. Um, when you do it again, I'll start raising my voice. And then when I just have had enough and can't take it anymore and you've been doing this for a week straight, Maybe then I'll yell loud enough that D hears and he comes in and steps in and like punishes everybody. No, it's not. Shayla is allowed. (laughs) Shayla is allowed um, the luxury of having me as her partner. So Shayla says a lot of we's. He's embellishing. And we's all mean D's. So we punish our children means D punishes our children. Um, 
Shayla wants to be their friend. No, Shayla wants. To, Shayla wants. <laughs> no. Shayla feels like it's a contest, <laughs> and she wants them to love her he more. Said, he said he was going to say the truth, and I have to say that was a lie. Shayla, <laughs> Shayla wants them to love her more. No, absolutely not. So she's nicer to them and lets them. Absolutely not. I do not. I do not want to be their friend. Like I do punish them. I think if he here's the problem is if he's home and they do something, he's like. Like I don't know, comes down with his cape flying, oh, and he so takes I'm, care so of I'm the helicopter parent that so, you said you should be, right? So, so, so I don't, I end up not having to do it when he's home. So when he's not home is when I have to do it. So when so, he's not home, I don't do it because I'm so used to I him do, doing it when he's home. So I do it when he's not He'll home. He'll do it when he comes back. Because if not, it will be total pandemonium in the house because you know the kids that's how kids are like you give them an inch they take a mile so you allow them to disrespect you they'll like continue to do so like you have to put your foot down and then if you if you're doing all these all these things like keep doing them eventually all of those things are going to get tiresome and your kid is going to say you know what like i need to get my life together but if you kind of do something if you take the phone away for a little while or if you don't let them go anywhere for a little bit and they know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel they just don't different. have a phone. Like, I think it. Phone. I think it varies. Or they, or they get the on. phone that just has two buttons: call mommy, call daddy, or <laughs> then you have to call nine one one button. Maybe and, if like, it gets to that, that's probably an option. Definitely have that because if nothing else, that's embarrassing. Or the flip phone because nowadays everybody wants an iPhone. Just like get her a flip phone where she can't, you know, do anything on, and then she'll probably be embarrassed. Make her wear ugly clothes in school. <laughs> but just, I mean, I think the main Shave thing her is. Head. The main thing is if you do something and you stop, like kind of like our oldest, he, you know, like D's right. He had his phone taken away and then I gave it back because honestly, it was more convenient for me. Um, and so then he got his phone taken away again for like four months. And then he, you know, he honestly like started improving his behavior. Um, and it wasn't like it, it wasn't like um like, it was inconvenient. Of course, he, like, had his friends call if he needed to get picked up. And it's different because our oldest is 16. So, basically, so he has just to, became his secretary. No, so he has because to Because his friends just called her phone. He has to, to get to, to, to a lot of places. So, um, I think... But even now when he has a phone, like, we took... We, he doesn't have internet. He doesn't have apps. He doesn't even have the app store. Like, there's options. Like, if you're like, you know, my kid needs a phone because a lot of times he's just not with us. Like, our 16-year-old. A lot of times he, he goes to... We drop him off at practice. We drop him off here. He stays at for school. So, it's convenient to have a phone because, you know, like, if he gets in an emergency situation, it's good for him to call. Well, just, you know what? Take out all those other distractions on the phone because you can have an iPhone and not have, like, all those distractions where, you you know, your child can't add apps and can't go online, um, you know, so that they can. How do we make it through the '80s without iPhones? Like, I don't know. That, that I don't know. Crazy, right? Um, but you know, there's not even payphones. People lived so in before 80s. there was payphones, and you can call. There's not even payphones now, so it is more difficult if you're out and about to try to use a phone because everybody. The assumption is that they have you have a phone, so you don't need a public phone. So I think. I mean, I think the main thing is. Keep doing what you're doing, but do it consistently. Don't stop one thing because if she knows mom's going to take away my phone for a little while or, or, you know, um, mom's going to like, she's not going to let me go places, but next week she'll probably let me go somewhere. And you know, like take, if the, if they like watching TV, take away the TV. And if you have other kids take, just completely take away the TV. Nobody watches TV because you know, honestly, if nothing else, eventually the other kids will gang up on that one kid knowing that the only reason why we don't have this is because you don't know how to act. 
moral to the story if you have multiple kids they're basically pack animals yes. they're just a pack of wolves and a survival of the fittest yes. somebody has to be the alpha and they will divide and conquer they will separate you and they will pick out the weak parent and destroy that weak parent Shayla is that <laughs> they, they attack her whenever I'm gone. They do not. They're, the TV, they, this, this, don't let them watch TV. The TV, every TV in the house is on when I get back. No, everybody that is not has, accurate. Everybody has an iPad. Like, I don't even everybody know where Shayla hides iPad. the iPads and iPhones, but I think every child has one. <laughs> that and when is I come not home, accurate. every child has one. No. See, again. Shayla's hiding again, in the room. Again, the whole truth thing. Um, Shayla's hiding in the room. Definitely take that with a grain of salt. Shayla calls me when I'm at work like, please do something about your children. No. That's crazy. You, are you serious? No. Please don't make that fucking face. Like, you're telling me you've never called me? No, I like, haven't hey, said, like, the kids are hey, crazy. you need to get this kid. Most of like <laughs> mini-me, and sometimes he's a little psycho. So, sometimes I have to call you no, you've called about to straighten him. that you've up. you called about our oldest daughter. you you call about. No, I call. You call and say, let me tell you what this one did. Yes, I, that's and I have to say, let put them on the phone. Let me and talk here's to the him. thing. Here's another thing. Like especially for you, like two parent households. Sometimes women. One parent is a better parent. So that's no, <laughs> no, that's, that's not. The, that's the end result Sometimes of this statement. women just want to vent. Like I want to say, you know what these kids did, blah 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 blah. But I fixed it. However, like it's not always like save me. It's just hey, I want to let you know, like this is how my day went. This is what they did. I was very irritated, but I fixed the problem. Not like this is what happened and I need you to fix it. I just want to vent to you. So I don't need, like when I call him sometimes and I'm like, oh, listen to what your daughter did. It's not because it's just like if I call saying something funny, like I call you to let you know how it was, not so you can fix it because I have already fixed it. So first of all, let me back up her statement. The whole, I call to vent. First of all, all men out there. If you haven't figured it out yet in your relationship, women do this stupid thing they call venting to where they tell you how horrible life is and you're not supposed to try to help them fix it. Dumbest shit in the world, right? Anyway, moving forward, the whole I called you to vent and tell you how my day went and I fixed it is an absolute falsehood. It's let me tell you what just happened and sometimes it's still currently happening right now (laughs) as we're speaking on the phone. No. And then I have to get on the phone and fix it and then we move forward. No, I think this goes back to, like, the whole boys. Like, I can handle the girls. Sometimes the boys are a little... Especially one. not true. One. Like, no. The one that's just like my husband, sometimes it takes a lot to get him. Like, if he's he's kind of, like, in his mood... it takes a lot. Like, I say, like, I love him, but he's kind of a little like, asshole. I say I love him, but I really he's, don't. He's, <laughs> he's an asshole like my husband say. is. I say so I love him, too. I love him, too. But sometimes, like, the only person that can, like, deal with him when he really gets, like, into his mood is him. Like, I've dealt with him without, like, calling my husband. But sometimes, like, if I'm really, like, up to, like, if I haven't slept or if I'm, my patience is, like, gone, gone, like, I call and I say, look, talk, talk to this kid. And then he straightens up. So... Yes, but then you're saying you try to make it a boy-girl thing when, like, you don't call with our oldest daughter and say, hey, like, she's in here and she's in a mood. She's in her feelings. Like, Because she cries. I could deal with crying. I do not but say deal with her. But you're calling me saying your daughter's in I call to vent. I call to vent about her being all emotional. Mo- moving on, Shayla. You're lying. Not, you're just lying for the people. You're lying. Not a, no, I'm not lying. I think I think uh, there's some little fudging of the truth happening over here on this the other end of this uh Anyway, microphone. our last question is the the person says when the topic of breastfeeding arises how do you discuss mommy milk I think um 
Again, it depends on the age of how you discuss it. But I breastfed all but one of one of the five kids. Um, and each time the kids were really inquisitive, like, what's, what are you doing? What's happening? And I let them see, like, I don't, there's nothing wrong with kids knowing, like, anatomical, like, um, body parts and, like, what they do. So, like, if I'm breastfeeding one, I'm like, hey, yeah, like, mommy's, this is mommy's milk. Um, when, when women have babies, they get milk and then they're able to give their babies milk instead of having milk like in the carton. I think it's easy for kids to understand and that's why you have a lot of like younger kids um, that have baby dolls. You know, they breastfeed their baby dolls and I think it's just so sweet to see that, you know, they, 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 they're understanding like this is, um, this is like what our bodies do. Like our bodies can produce this and, and it's so funny because I, I even had, um, one of our, um, our third or fourth to our fifth, try to breastfeed. The fourth one was trying to breastfeed the fifth one. And I tried to explain to her, like, no, you're too little. Well, you don't what do have you do milk. When like our middle daughter, same way you're talking about the fourth one. When our middle daughter came to the hospital and saw our youngest breastfeeding, she straight, like just mushed her like, nope, those are for <laughs> me. Like we're not having this. I, I think you have to, especially it's, um, when you've either just stopped breastfeeding one or still breastfeeding one and then one comes it's a little more difficult because they're kind of like no those are mine like I get my milk from there what are you doing and I think um to try to make sure you don't have that jealousy you kind of let them know like this is the baby and you know the baby needs milk too or you know if that if that child is done breastfeeding like no remember like you you drink your milk out of the cup or you know something like that so they understand um like breast you know milk comes from breast it's funny how um even like the older ones who understand like you know breast milk and I always tell them hey you want some breast milk in your cereal and they're like no and I'm like but you'll take cow's breast milk in your cereal but you won't take your mother's you know it's kind of funny and that's another way to explain it like you drink milk from a carton and that comes from a cow's breast you know, so this is just like mommy. When mommies have babies, they produce milk too. And that's how the babies, the babies don't eat food when they're first born. They get milk and show them like if they're, you know, like show them like, look, here, this is see the baby's just drinking milk. And then when she's done, you know, we're done. I think it's, I think it's, um, you're doing a disservice to your child to try to hide, um, and act like it's, um, not a normal thing in life you know if you try to like really hide like while you're at home and not show them and they don't understand and they're just so like what's happening I think you're doing them a disservice I think it's really important to just let your kids know like hey this is mommy's breast that milk come out of like the baby's gonna drink the milk um and then you know as the baby gets older she or he is gonna eat food and then you know they're not gonna breastfeed just like you know the older kids don't breastfeed so I think it's it's really important to just like show your child what's happening so they're not like what is happening like you know like I don't understand why is mommy doing this and then just explain it to them and I mean kids as young as two you know understand even younger like they understand when you see them breastfeeding their baby dolls like they understand what's happening and I think it's really important to just be honest and let them know um, fathers out there, this isn't really our topic. Just the um, only thing I have to say is don't let the kids catch you breastfeeding. Moving <laughs> on. <laughs> so our daily topic, we're done with our questions. Our daily topic is having the talk with your children. Um, so Shayla, let me ask you, when do you feel is the appropriate time to have the talk and how do you have the talk with your children? 
So I would say probably entering middle school at this point is probably a good time to have the talk. Um, I would also say that the initial talk I was not super comfortable with, so I kind of pawned that off to D because I felt like our first is a boy and he could kind of explain it better. Like, of course, I'll have the talk with the girls. Um, but I think, you know, that initial talk, you know, you have the same parts. as So I just felt like it was a more comfortable situation. But I really feel like entering middle school, especially now with, like, so many kids are so young. And, I mean, depending, like, if your kid is really, like, inquisitive and they're in, like, fifth grade, maybe you need to have, like, a semi-talk with them. And, you know, it's not full-on, depending on the age, it's not full-on, like... Um, like the 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 full on talk, the visual, but you know, eventually, you don't want your kid to think like, oh, if I kiss a girl, she'll get pregnant, or not not understand. Like, if I put my penis in her, you know, we can have a baby. I think it's important to have the talk, um, but I also think it's a p- important to be like age appropriate and anatomically correct. Like, you need to say your kids need to know penis and vagina. You know, like, very important. I think our three-year-old knows penis and vagina. She knows that. I think it's very important not only for the talk, but, you know, for anything. For if anybody, like, attempts to touch your child, that they can actually verbalize, like, you know, penis and vagina. Like, they know what's going on. So I think it's important to have it um, no later than probably sixth grade. Um, I think it's important to let them know, um, like, you know, what is and isn't expected. Um, I think also, um, especially going into high school, I feel like absolutely, like, if you have boys, give them condoms. If you have girls, like, put them on birth control. Give them condoms. They could be on birth control and still get a, get a fucking... Disease. Yeah, no, but I'm saying, yeah, give girls condoms, but I'm saying, like, you know, Everybody you need to... condoms. Yeah, you need to, because you honestly... You get a condom. You get a condom. <laughs> as my, yeah, have a bowl of condoms in your house, just so Next that they easily, you know, accessible. Have a banana and a because magnum on the way as out. much as we would like to think um, this isn't happening... You know, in our house, ha- and like you know, I- I'm, I'm assuming unless you're you're like homeschool your kids and your kids aren't out, then you probably don't need to have to talk that early. But you know, other people, other people have you know let their kids kind of watch whatever they want to watch and do whatever they want to do, so they kind of have an earlier visualization of what happens. So I think it's important to have to have that talk and to have those like options available to them just in case. Not that you're making it okay, but that you're making it if it does happen, you know, they know how to be protected. And I think it's important to, to talk to your sons and daughters about like um, sexually transmitted diseases and how you can get them, you know, Regardless of if it's penetration or oral sex, you know, it's important to have those conversations with them because a lot of people think if I get or give head, I can't get an STD and that is not accurate. You know, so I think it's important to have those conversations. And of course, those will be like a little bit later, um, not necessarily as soon as you start having the talk. But I think, um, you know, in high school, they have they have people come in middle school. I think it's important to, you know, also before having the official sex talk to have a talk about like what your body's doing, you know, with girls, like I just bought my daughter a book, um, about her body. She actually really wanted the book. And so, um, she's, she's nine now. And so she wanted the book and it goes on to, you know, say like your bodies and how your body's maturing and what happens and breast and, you know, your periods and all this. And it's important to have that conversation. Girls are having periods really early now like I think I started my period at nine so I think it's very important for you to have that conversation with your girls too because it's terrifying 
to, you know, I'm sure it's terrifying to bleed and you're in school and you have no idea what's happening. You might think you're bleeding to death. And then boys, you know, you have like conversation about wet dreams and conversation about, you know, their penis getting like erections. You know, it's really important to have them understand like this is normal and it is okay. You know, like this is normal and like, like our oldest, you know, if you would like to masturbate in your room, make sure your door is fully closed. You know, maybe put something on put the door. Put something in front of it because I'm busting put, doors. I'm not knocking on any doors in a house I pay for. Put something there. Like, we don't want to enter your room if it's, like, during the day and you decide to masturbate. Like, I'm masturbation is okay if that's what you want to do. However, don't put us in a situation where we're walking into you doing it. Seeing you um, like Harry Palm having so, it. So, um, I think it's important... Um, to definitely be honest, definitely say the right anatomical um, body parts. Um, and then just telling them, like, it's okay, um, you know, like, as far as, like, masturbation and what's happening with your body. Um, but definitely, like, as they get older, especially high school, um, I have I have my son read about sexually transmitted diseases all the time. So I want him to know, like, people have AIDS that don't look, AIDS doesn't have a look to it. You, you know, like, people have gonorrhea and chlamydia and don't know it. Like, it's very important to, you know, use a condom every single time, no matter what. And so... Um, I think it's, I think probably sixth grade is good to start having the talk. So they're not completely clueless and definitely high school to have like more in depth. Like this is what's happening. Cause you got those boys that are trying to get some and those girls that are trying to give it away. So once again, I have to correct Shayla's revisionist history <laughs> of the way things took place with our oldest son. Our oldest son and Shayla are twins and best buds. And so I gave her, the, I said, you know, that's, that's your best buddy. Do you want to have to talk with him? And she said, yes, I will. And we did that going into middle school. And she, she stalled for an entire year. And it, like every couple months, I'd say, did you talk to him? Did you talk to him? Like, oh, no, I'm going to. Oh, no, I'm going to. I'll, I'll go do it right now. And Shayla stalled because she did not want her son to grow up. So the longer she could wait to have the conversation, the longer she could like keep the wool over her eyes and act like her, her son wasn't growing up. So basically... A year later, I had to just take him out, take him for a ride, and talk to him. And, I mean, ultimately, the talk was, like, well, what do you think sex is? Because, obviously, at this point, with everybody having phones, everybody being on social media, everybody having access to the Internet, kids are either showing him things or telling him to go look at things. So, at this point, he has some idea formulated of what he thinks it is. So he told me what he thought it was. I corrected what was what needed to be corrected. And I told him, like, basically, at the end of the day, like, the shit is mad fun. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to act like, oh, I'm not going to try to scare you away. I'm going to tell you it's, it's, it's fun doing it. But with that comes tons of responsibilities. Because if you do it wrong or you aren't responsible, you're going you're gonna to end up catching a disease or catching a baby. And neither one do you really want to catch at this age you definitely don't want to ever catch a disease but catching the baby too young is no fun and then i basically said hey do you want like one of your little sisters and brothers and it be yours and you have to be responsible for that all the time and not mommy and daddy will take it hell no so basically that was it like yo you go out and have sex you're gonna have your little brother is that fun and so we stopped that. And I mean, obviously, he's going to still have urges and he moves on. And as he gets older, we talk about it more. We talk about responsibility. We talk about what comes along with it. And it's just consistent um, reiterance of that. Um, but, yeah, we'll see how it goes with the girls because 
I think Shayla's bullshitting. She's saying she's going to do something. She's not. And I'll have to talk to them, too. To be continued. Okay. Shayla is going to give you her mommy tip of the day. What's your mommy tip? My mommy tip is, you know, it's good to have you have our phones and we have um like calendars so i also have that i think it's really important to have a planner as well i kind of have both um phones are really great but if anything happens your phone you have nothing on paper so for me i have a planner that has literally like all the bills um when people have appointments and i have the same thing i have on my phone like appointments and stuff but i think it's important to also have a written down planner where you can just put stuff on the fly and know that it's there my daddy tip is I had one and I'm going to change it. My daddy tip for today is to understand, to piggyback off of the fact that children are basically a pack of wolves, is that you need to understand that it's you versus them. And so as parents, as, as we need to understand that we need to be a united front. If you're a single parent, you need to find your village and be a united front. And it's not just necessarily us versus them and, you know, we're trying to win and you're trying to lose. I mean, I always win. But (laughs) kids are kids and they don't know how to get to where they say they want to be. So we have to guide them. We have to work together to get them to that point. And they're not always going to want to do it. They're going to buck back. They're going to make dumb decisions. But we have to continue to work together. We can't let them divide us. Um. I'll give my daddy confession. My daddy confession is this is the first week ever in life that all five of my children have taken a shower or bath every day for a week straight. Don't judge me. Shayla, what's your mommy confession? My mommy confession is um, sometimes I buy food. Um, especially crab legs, either when the kids aren't home or I eat it before getting home and throw the f- the bags in the trash before walking in so I don't have to share. Okay. Our final segment is our favorite kid of the week. Do you have a favorite or do you want me to go first? Um, I'll allow you to go first. Oh, thanks for allowing me to go first. My favorite kid of the week is my oldest. Um, I call him my guinea pig kid because we had him very young. Shayla is the greatest teen mom of all time. I love her for it. Uh, So we made tons of mistakes. We had him going through college, broke as hell. We stole money out of his piggy bank that we still kind of owe him. But I think we're up because he owes us a lot of money, too. Nonetheless, we have tried out everything new with him. And it's been trial and error. It's been trial and error. And he has turned into a very strong, intelligent, bright young man. And soon to be outgoing. But I'm just proud of the man that he's becoming. And I'm very excited to see where his junior year takes him and where his path is leading in the future. Shayla? Okay, so um, I don't know the official rules on this. I'm going to pick two favorites. Um, And the only reason why I'm going to pick our youngest two, because this is the first week of school and this is the first time ever that they're actually away from home all five days of the week and for about eight hours a day each so i think which is why i made them shower so people wouldn't say i had so many kids (laughs) 
So I think they're doing amazing and they are transitioning to that and they're excited. And although when we wake them up in the morning, they're utterly exhausted. I think they're just little champs. And I'm just so excited that they were able to just um, kind of just get to school and, and hit the ground running. All right. That is a wrap for this first session, our pilot. And if you like it, please share it. If you don't like it, please let us know why so we can fix it. Or so we can listen to your opinion because maybe you have a stupid opinion and I just don't care. But let me know anyway. Signing off. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.